little niche for him, but we'll have, have him on radio. shortly. Well, I heard the music. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we I think we've lost every listen to. We don't need to talk to somebody SB Nation because we're doing something terribly wrong. So a week, we commit to a week from now having this all figured out. Exactly. So from that uh, madcap segue, uh, I wanted to talk about what I think might be the single most depressing story we've ever run in Outsports, and that was this week by Sid. It was a great job of reporting. And I'll, I'll set it up and you can fill it in. And depressing because it was five college basketball coaches and how deep they are in the closet, and they're depressed, and they're anxious, and they're thinking about suicide, and they can't come out, and they're never going to jump. I mean, it was like, I kept reading it, oh, my God. You have a lesbian coach saying she knows of 50 other women who are closeted. The only openly lesbian coach in Division One, Sherry Murrell, lost her job, probably not going to get back in coaching. So, I mean, you sort of think, gee, we have this great progress being made, and you read that, and it's kind of like a two-by-four between – Ahead. So why don't you kind of set it up for people uh, who really need to go read the story about your Indianapolis and how you just how you sort of discovered these people and what some of the stories they told you. Well, we know when I was at, in Indianapolis with Anthony Nicodemo and, and Derek Gordon and Derek Shell uh, out and about one night, a couple of nights, there were college basketball coaches who would come up to us and talk to us. They recognized us. Uh, we had also said that we were going to be at a particular bar at a particular time, and they had obviously read that and gone there. And as they started telling me their stories, it became so painfully obvious that, that something was terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. That uh, one of them was forced to sign a lifestyle contract forbidding them from, uh, essentially forbidding them from being gay, even though they're gay, they're closeted. Um, you know, they had to, to sign a statement saying that they essentially oppose themselves. Another guy talking about suicidal thoughts, several of them talking about leaving the sport altogether. Um, one of them had uh, his head coach knows he's gay, and the head coach said, you can't tell anybody else. And it's it really, it's just incredible that these guys are living this very, very closet life. They don't want to. They want to tell everybody in their lives they're ready to tell everybody in their lives, but they feel this need for their career to stay in the closet. And it really, it's really hurting them. I mean, they've been, a couple of them text me constantly. Um, they, 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 so they so are want and need community, and they just feel like they can't have it being a college basketball coach. And and so yes, it it is terribly depressing because it's super clear that there are many closeted gay coaches, and and that the NCAA members and the conferences simply they're not doing anything about it really. And what what would these coaches like to see happen? It's funny because I asked them what what the NCAA could do, and and they were kind of at a loss. The, the one guy said what needs to happen is, and I put this in the story, is there needs to be a branch Ricky. There needs to be an AD and a head coach and in conjunction with the NCAA or something. There needs to be a couple of them who just say we are going to track down a gay assistant and we are going to hire them 
and we are going to make it clear that that, that they are gay, that they're qualified and that they are gay, and we're going to ask them to come out. Like That's how you start to break through. That's how Branch Rickey and, and Jackie Robinson broke through the color barrier in Major League Baseball. They consciously did it, and and were very clear about why they were doing it. So that's what that was the one clear thing that somebody said we need to branch Ricky who's just going to do it. Because it seems that so much of the fear that came through the story and this is what people have told us even if they were comfortable on their own team that if it was known they were gay they'd probably be in essence blackballed from getting another job or the fear is that they, that they would not be able to get another job because it's known they were gay. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah, they they all said that, that that it would absolutely hinder their ability to get another job, and 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 the reason was one because of internalized homophobia in the coaching staff, um, but also because of this idea that what's going on, what has been going on for years with female coaches and women's basketball, is that other coaches will point to a program and say, that's a lesbian program. That's a lesbian coach. You don't want to go to that program because that's just lesbians. And and they're afraid, the coaching staffs and the, and the athletic departments are afraid that if they hire a gay coach that they'll be labeled with the same thing and they'll lose out on recruits and, re, and, and recruiting is so important. Of course, that's what they're afraid of. They may also attract <laughs> recruits. Uh, so, but But they're afraid that, yes, they'll... they'll they won't be able to get a job because of the fear of losing recruits and, and other issues. It seems also that there, if you're a player, you can decide to stay in the closet pretty much and then come out after your career's over because most players don't go on to pro careers. But these guys, they want to be in this sport. This is what they want to do for their profession. So their choice is either to stay closeted for basically maybe the foreseeable future, maybe their whole lives, or quit but then they quit doing the things they love. Yeah. Well, I asked I asked several of them, do you think that you'll be still closeted in 30 years? And they said, no, either I'll be out in the coaching profession or I'll be out of the coaching profession. And and that's just, they can't, they know they can't live like this for the rest of their lives. And at one point they take the leap. I, I don't know. I will say that I've heard from several other coaches current and former coaches since that story and all of them said the same thing you hit the nail on the head this is it's a much bigger problem than people realize and everybody's scared to death and the reason it was so depressing is because we've been kind of celebrating the sports world and and then you sort of get this and you go wow then then you really step back and we say it pretty much every week nobody open in the in the major pro sports no open coaches in, in any of the major college sports, no open players in any of the college sports except for Derek Gordon, who's looking for a team. So we seem to have all, this, all the activity going on on the what you might call, with quotation marks, minor sports. You know, oh, that's just, that's just tennis, that's just diving. You know, people seem to accept that. But the, the big major sports, it really is still a closet. Yeah, and even I talked to... A woman I called Sarah, who's a, co- a coach in women's basketball, and people think, oh, women's basketball, everybody's a lesbian. There are still there are major issues, not just involving homophobia, but also obviously sexism in women's college sports. The uh, and 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 how kind of this good old boy network is is 
really still dominates even college women's basketball. Male ADs want male head coaches. And just because they they associate with them, they talk with them, they banter with them, they have cigars with them. That's that's what they want to be surrounded with, and and how, and it, and it plays out with gay coaches. You want to, the straight male AD wants straight male coaches to hang out with and talk about women. And 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 uh, when I was talking to Pat Griffin and telling her about all this, she said that she's talked to black coaches who certainly years ago used to say the same thing that it was it was a good old white boys network and they didn't want the black guys around in in the coaching profession. So so it it, it really is it's, it's this it's this mentality white 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 straight males have had the power for so long and they don't want to give it up. You know, and I think with the women, it really must frost them a lot because these jobs used to be nobody wanted them except women. No man's going to coach a women's basketball team. Well, now the women's sport's a lot more popular. They're making more money. So now the guys want in, and the guys are getting more and more of the jobs as a percentage. And so the one area where women can't coach men yet, but men can coach men or women, so they're encroaching on maybe the one turf that, that women sort of had to themselves for a while in a good way, and if I'm a woman, I feel like, you know, geez, I get it kind of coming and going. I'm getting it from the guys, and I also have the whole, you know, lesbian stuff they throw out at everybody. And it really, it just has to be the kind of thing you want to throw your hands up sometimes. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Helen Carroll has, has talked about that very publicly, that, you know, we women want the shot at coaching men. There are women coaching men, and, um, I think a lot of it is swimming and tennis and track and field, the NCAA. But there's no reason. I mean, Tara Vanderveer, uh, a female coach at Stanford of the women's team, she she would be a dream for almost any men's program to get a hold of. Uh, you know, she's been an Olympic coach, but she would she just doesn't have the opportunity. Not not that she wants it. I think she's probably perfectly happy living in Palo Alto. And, yeah, playing for national championships, but but even a Tara Vanderveer probably would have no shot right now at men's coaching positions simply because she's a woman. And again, it just it just it, it there is. I read a study that said, I think I put it in the story that ninety percent of the college female athletes in the seventies were coached by women. Now it's less than half. Yeah, and. And I just, you know, I think that again, the sexism and the homophobia are just are keeping these coaches away from jobs. And you wonder if it's going to have to come up from the other end too, where you you would hope in the future you'll have more openly gay players who might wind up being in an atmosphere where a gay coach might feel comfortable coming out, especially if it's a star, a star player. Because um, that's still the hope I guess I have is less. Certain certain generations, it might just be a lost cause, but you would hope that younger generations of athletes coming up would be the ones that would not care about this if they had a gay coach, for example. Or they might think it was cool. Well, a couple of them. They talked a lot about, when I was talking to these coaches, about recruiting. That is clearly a big issue. And one of them pointed out that when they go on recruiting trips, they're talking. they're not just talking to the athlete. They're talking to the athlete's mom mm-hmm. and the athlete's dad, and and so they all will have some advisor. And then there's a, a, a their high school coach, and there you have to get through. It could be a pastor. There you have to get through so many different layers. And if one of those layers simply says, "Ooh, really? The one with the gay coach?" They're mm-hmm. going to lose the recruit. 
Yep. So it's, it's not yep. really about just the player. It's about everything around the player. Yeah, and it, 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 there's still that unspoken subtext of, oh, God, gay male player with men's team, you know, it's rife for possible abuse. And you know that's in the back of people's minds, even though people don't want to say it. But it's another thing that these guys have to contend with. So it really was, it was a depressing story. It's like, God. But it's reality. It's, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not surprised, again, when there are so many ways to, to measure progress. And I think we have made a lot of progress. But zero out players are coached in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, NCAA Division One basketball. Uh, certainly on the men's side, Derek Gordon is kind of in limbo right now. And the women's side, they have, there are a few players but no coaches. There is clearly still major issues going on if that's the case. Yeah, and I think we've said that in, at, in the overt homophobia is pretty much gone. I mean, it's no longer cool to be homophobic. You can't get away with it. So that's a big victory from what it used to be just a few years ago when you, people felt, you know, I, can, I could say I can call someone a faggot and probably have a certain percentage of people agree with me. Now nobody can get away with saying that. So now you have this stuff that's institutionalized that's even harder to break because it takes time and it takes contacts and it takes, you know, one by one breaking it down. I mean, it could happen, but it's just, you know, I mean, look at our political thing. We still have never had a female president. We might, but, you know, you think about it. We haven't had a woman president. We've had one African-American president. And so even in society in general, it takes a while to sort of crack this stuff. So, um, But, yeah, it was really a – it was an eye, maybe not a surprise, but when you hear the stories is what it makes it more of an eye-opener because these are real people you talked to, you know, two weeks ago. It wasn't just, you know, us speculating. And, and so I'm actually happy these people reached out to talk as opposed to being in the past we've had people so afraid of even speaking you know um so that's a small victory and and again we don't know we talk about the fear of the closet so much and and we don't know what their lives would be like if tomorrow they wrote a story for outsports and came out publicly we don't know but what we do know is the environment is so suppressive for them repressive whatever it is Repressive. <laughs> it's not good that that they feel they need to stay in the closet. And luckily, you know, we at Outsports get to write a lot of stories about athletes who, when they do come out, they are totally embraced. Yeah, and actually, we'll have Eric on in a second. We're going to have one next week. Uh, just a little teaser. He's a Division One athlete, and he's married to a guy <laughs> in a part of the country you probably wouldn't think it'd be possible to be married. You know, and so, and he is telling a great story. So not a major sport, but still, you know, there's somebody who's standing up and saying, hey, this is who I am. Um, so we're seeing it more and more just that, you know, at the math, where the big money is is where the problem is. Yeah. Well, I, let's, let's bring Eric on because I, uh, I, I want to talk to him about because it's, it's interesting for, you know, these guys kind of track me down. And Eric was actually there. Eric was in, in Indianapolis with us one night when uh, – one of the coaches came up and 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 talked with us. Um, uh, Eric, Eric, are you are you there on the line? Yeah. How are you guys? I'm good. This is Eric. Call where you call from, Eric. You're in Missouri. Uh, I'm in Roanoke, Virginia, right now. Eric, do you remember talking with with uh, one of these coaches that I was actually two of them were there that night that you were there. 
Yeah, uh, there was one in particular uh, I talked to the most. Um, I had a friend that uh, used to be an assistant uh, women's basketball coach, and uh, I mainly talked to him about just kind of the struggle in general for uh, a coach um, trying to move up through the ranks uh, as, as a college assistant. And I hadn't really gotten into it too much with him, the struggle um, he'd had uh, until reading your story. That was, that was real interesting to see the, the, and read about the, the struggle that they have and fear of moving up because that wasn't really something I talked to him. I just had kind of talked to him about uh, how difficult it was to move up in general uh, in, their, uh, in, in the profession. So, Eric, talk to us a bit about, we had a story this week about a runner in Colorado, Andrew Goodman from Colorado State, uh, who came out. How did you, how did you come upon this story? Um, it's kind of interesting. Andrew's uh, brother, Ben Goodman, uh, runs for the University of Missouri, and I uh, just finished classes for my master's at Missouri uh, in December. And Andrew was there visiting Ben uh, in early January, uh, while, and I was still in Missouri at the time, and uh, happened to uh, uh, come across Andrew on social media, and uh, we went and got uh, coffee the, the next day, and I talked to him about doing a story, and he was real excited about it from the start. I think we did a I think we did like a four or five hour interview that uh, first day when we got coffee and talked and uh, he, he was so open and like willing to share so much about what his experience was. Like a few days after we'd done that real long interview at first, he, he, he texted me as like, I forgot to tell you about getting bullied growing up. And he like wanted to like, he just wanted to share what he'd gone through and hoping that other athletes wouldn't have to go through the mental anguish he went through. What's the reaction been? You've talked to him since. What's, uh, have you gotten feedback from other people, other athletes, or what's what's he been hearing? Um, he, he's gotten uh, – he said he's a couple track athletes and a, a swimmer have reached out to him, but he said the the thing that impressed him the most was the, the head of the, uh, the department he's in, uh, studying, and he's in – I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's health and human sciences at Colorado State. Um, the head of that department reached out to him and wanted to have a meeting with him. Um, and he said that was the thing that, that floored him the most in the, the the past week was that the head of the department there at Colorado State uh, reached out to him and uh, kind of congratulated him on the story. And um, the other thing uh, uh, he talked about was, some former athletes, uh, two former teammates and a former coach, uh, reached out to him, like one to make sure, Hey, hope I didn't say anything that offended you or, or kept you from, um, being your true self. I, uh, I'm not sure the exact way they phrased it to him, but he said those were kind of the things that have impressed him the most in the the past week, um, since the story came out. One of the things I'm most interested in, Eric, is, uh, it's easy to understand how people might find their way to out sports. I mean, we've been doing this for 15 years. Um, people know the brand. Lots of people come out on out sports. But you find a way to track down these athletes all the time who are LGBT. How, how does, Are they all just passing through Missouri and <laughs> you living right now? How Wow. How does it happen? What kind, what kind of network have you built? I mean, you've kind of become, outside of Outsports, one of the 
people writing about this most, and thankfully you're writing about it a lot for us. It's the, the type of athletes I tend to come across are the ones that are open on social media about it. Like that's like I, I happen to like Alex Obendorf, the West Virginia uh, diver that I, I wrote about um, this fall. I wrote about I wrote that story for the Missourian, and actually the main focus of the story was about a car accident he'd been in. Um, but. Um, I was looking for the time that the Mizzou diving invite was happening uh, that day, and he tweeted a picture, and like his uh, his Tumblr was a link to his Tumblr was on his Twitter, and I went to his Tumblr, and it was pretty obvious he was gay. So I reached out to him, and was like, "Hey, could I uh, talk to you?" And like it's just different things like that. Like um, is is some of the ways sometimes people reach out to me and are, are interested in uh, seeing what it would be like to do a story. But a, a lot of it's been I'll see somebody on social media and I'll reach out to them, and most of the time they're they're receptive. Uh, is there – do you hear of more athletes that aren't out, that people say, hey, I know of X number of you know people or whatever? There, there are – there are a lot uh, I know, like, but the people I tend to deal with, they're afraid to say the people's names. Like, mm-hmm. they're kind of they're kind of cautious. Hey, I know this person, but like, I don't want to <laughs> say something to you unless without their permission. But like, I know there are lots of like after I do the stories on people, I, I was realizing the one on Andrews, the seventh one that doesn't count all the Michael Sam stuff and the the Greg DeSteven story I uh, spent time working on like they were already out but I've done seven stories on athletes where it's kind of their first time talking publicly about it and each one of them say people reach out to them and uh, uh, afterwards and um, Fred Hartville the Illinois gymnast uh, that I did a story on a few weeks ago uh, for the Georgia Voice and you guys were nice enough to share that on your site after I that story he said he was looking forward to getting more networked with other gay gymnasts because um, his te- he'd had teammates before him like Cameron Rogers that I talked to in the story that had been openly gay and were connected more with the other gay gymnasts that were out there in NCAA and Fred said he was looking forward to that after his story come- came out and uh, um, Fred's been busy with the Big Tens and NCAAs the last couple weeks and he actually had surgery today because he got hurt at NCAA's. But um, so I haven't talked to him too much, but I'm I'm sure he's gotten that uh, connection um, over the last few weeks as he's gone to the big competitions in the season. Ask you a personal question: What are are you gay yourself? Yes, I am. Okay, so I was wondering if that, that if you had a certain insight because if you weren't gay, I'd be curious about how what you've learned about. Uh, about doing it, but obviously you, you know the whole process. Um, yeah, and I you think would... that's maybe why people, like, at least initially, I don't know if that's been the case with everybody, but sometimes they, people, maybe they're comfortable because that's what I'm upfront about them with when I'm writing the story. Like, that's usually one of the first things I let, I want, I let them know when I'm working, when I approach an athlete about doing stories, hey, I've been through this. And I put that as a, uh, as a, something to let them know, hey, if you're not 
ready. I completely understand that. I've been through that. Um, and several athletes I've reached out to have been really nice and were like, I'm not quite ready yet. Uh, maybe they haven't told their parents quite yet or they're uh, not sure how they're uh, – sometimes they're not sure how their team will react. And uh, an athlete I was, I've uh, been in contact with recently said he's happy with how his life is right now and uh, just doesn't think he wants the publicity, and sometimes that's it. So, But that's – but and I understand all those things not quite being ready yet because I wasn't – ready to come out when I was 22 or whatever. Most of these athletes are 20. So, um, Back to one quick thing about the story that you, you had written. Did Andrew go and get some Be True shoes? Because the, 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 the shoes he was wearing were lovely, but the yeah. Be True shoes, the actual shoes uh, are, are awfully nice. Did he actually go and get the shoes after he did that? Uh, he, well, he did that in November, and they haven't had a new line come out yet. Uh, I don't think. Um, I as uh, right. I mentioned in the story, he was he got to know Josh Dixon, the gay gymnast uh, who trains in Colorado Springs, which is Andrew's hometown, and uh, that was where he first became aware of the Be True. And he said uh, he'd wanted a Be True shirt for his birthday last summer, and it's, I can't remember right now. His birthday's in July or August, and they were out of. Uh, Nike had sold out of this stuff by then, so I think Andrew's going to make sure when the stuff, uh, whenever it's released, I think it's usually around May or June that Nike tends to release its new line. Um, I'm sure he'll make sure to try to get get some of that stuff. The Colorado State's an Under Armour school, so <laughs> he's got to make sure not to not to wear them when he's competing. <laughs> Always the sponsors to worry about. Yeah, yeah, because uh, well, he was talking about how Colorado yeah. State had changed sponsors while he'd been there, and so he can't wear the, the old stuff from like his freshman and sophomore year anymore. Well, Derek Gordon was at UMass, and, and it was an Adidas school, and and he kept one. He'd be walking around with Be True and Nike stuff all the time, tweeting about Nike, and he always wondered, at what point are we going to get a phone call that I need to stop this? But it, he never got it. Adidas. Adidas let him do what he wanted to do. See, I know the track athletes in Missouri, if they're photographed with something other than Nike, that the the school gets fined a certain amount. Um, but the track athletes would tend to still wear the shoes that they prefer. But I'm sure Under Armour probably has some something written in if they get photos of uh, the Colorado State people wearing something other than Under Armour. Colorado State probably has to pay something. Yeah, well, I mean, we certainly appreciate all your contributions, Eric, and, and can't wait for the, the next stories. I know you and I have been talking about one, Jim. I need to fill you in on it. Actually, I need to fill you in, Eric, because I've had some conversations. It's, it's an interesting okay. story, um, and I have gotten to the bottom of, of what the problem was. Somebody was kind of standing in the way of Eric writing the story, but we'll hop on the phone and figure that out and fill everybody in at another time. Um, Jim, any parting words? Uh, this podcast was sponsored by AT&T, mobilizing your world. All right, well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us, and, and thank you, everybody, for reading Out Sports. Um, our readership this month has been another record setter, and we appreciate everybody checking us out. We will be back next week. Um, we'll talk to you then.